Uh, do you have your notes this morning? Uh, you're going to need them, as usual. We're going to go through quite a few scriptures. And, uh, but what I want to talk to you about today, it's kind of a simple teaching, but what I really want, I've been hearing the Lord tell me that it's time for the church to be the church. I've been hearing this for over a year now. And the Lord just says, I want my people to be impacted with the truth of the word of God. I want them to know who they are in me. I want them to understand it's not just religiosity. It's not just religion. I have given them something that's tangible. He said, I want the results that are within the word of God to become active and living within their lives so that they can be a testimony in this dying world of this world that has people that don't know me, that they will be the light, they will be the salt that people will be able to look at their life, that they'll hear the testimonies of healings and wholeness and change that, that I've brought into their lives. I want the people around them that don't know me to see that. He said, that's the dinner bell. That's the testimony for opening hearts up to come to me. So this is the heartbeat of God. He wants us to begin to live in the depths of his word and to get to know him in a greater way. They aren't, the promises of God just aren't fanciful fiction or mere suggestions of what might be, but are in fact kingdom declarations of what is and his revealed will to his people. So the name of the teaching today is Think Big, Begin to Anticipate the Unexpected. In Hebrews 4.2, let me just kind of set this up before we read it for you. Uh, this is where... The writer in Hebrews is talking about this time when the children of Israel, Moses, had, uh, God had contacted Moses through the burning bush, and they, God was bringing the people out of Egypt through the, all the plagues and all the things. You know that when they were in the land of Goshen, when darkness came upon all of Egypt, there was, the sun was still shining in Goshen. So these were miracles that the children of Israel were witnessing that were coming against the Egyptians. Then, of course, when they left, they left with all the gold and silver. They left wealthy. Uh, the Egyptians were just saying, here, take the gold. Get out of here. We're all going to die if you stay here. And so they were asking them to leave. Pharaoh finally let them go. Of course, then we know they got to the Red Sea, and we know of the miracle that took place of the parting of the Red Sea. And, of course, after they passed through on dry land, I'm telling you, I'm a fisherman. I would have loved to have gone through the parting of the Red Sea. I don't know, I might not have gotten, well, look at the size of that fish, wow, you know, I don't know. So it, it's a miracle. And then all of a sudden the sea closes, and of course all the Egyptians that had come in, they all died. So they saw these great miracles. God was leading them to the promised land. And he said, a land flowing with milk and honey, of, of, of just a, a lush land for your curds and, and just for planting and great ground. They get there. And they send 12 spies out into the land. And then all of a sudden, they come back and they said, yep, it is as God said. And they brought back the fruit and everything. One, if you read the account, one grape cluster was so large, they had to carry it on a pole between two men. Those are some big grapes. And so they, uh, all of a sudden, they, they're telling how great it is. And then all of a sudden, they went, but. Did you know that when but shows up, it's not good? When there's, somebody's telling you something and then they go, but you know all of a sudden it's a game changer. Everything, all, there's going to be all of a sudden an opposite is going to come. And they said, but there are giants in the land and we are like grasshoppers in their sight. And we cannot go in and possess the land. Then they turn on Moses and said, why did you bring us here? So that we and our families would die in the wilderness. Did you know that wasn't God's plan at all? God wanted them to go into that land. But because of what they saw, they allowed what they saw to speak doubt and unbelief to them, and they deemed themselves not worthy to go in. So this is what the, Hebrew, what the writer in Hebrews is talking about. And then he says, for indeed, Hebrews 4.2, for indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them not being mixed with faith. Boy, that's a key right there. Not being mixed with faith. If you have your Bible open, you've got to underline that phrase right there. 
not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. Each one of us have a choice to make. We are all on a faith walk. When we hear or read the word, we have a choice to make. Are we going to mix our faith with that? Are we going to take the word that's being preached? Are we going to take the word that we're reading in the Bible? Are we going to say, yes, that's for me, and we're going to set our faith in accordance with it? Or are we just going to pass by it and say, oh, that sounds nice, and just go on and continue living the way we've been living? So today I'm challenging you through the Lord to raise your level of expectancy. I want to talk to you about the challenge of the wind. Now, this is a story in Matthew 14, 22 through 32, and this is where Jesus had just finished feeding the 5,000. That's a tremendous miracle in itself. And right after feeding them, he sends his disciples and all the crowds away. Let's read. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, now that's a significant point, now when evening came, I want you to know, we're going to talk about something just about in a minute here, so what time of day was it? It's late afternoon. Because all of a sudden, Jesus, so he sends the disciples away, they get in the boat, he sends the crowds away, and then he went up, he goes up on the mountain to pray, and it says, when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat that the disciples were in were, was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Uh, that word contrary uh, means opposite or against. And we're going to see exactly how that plays out in just a minute. Now, in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them. Now, what time is the fourth watch of the night? From 6 to 9 o'clock, it's the first watch. From 9 o'clock to 12, second watch. From 12 o'clock to 3 a.m. is the third watch. The fourth watch of the night is from 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. in the morning. So we know the time frame, the general time frame, of when Jesus went out to them. It was somewhere between 3 and 6 a.m. in the morning. So he had been in prayer for quite a long time. Now on the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him, did you notice he was walking on the water? And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it is a ghost. They're freaking out. I wonder how many ghosts they've ever seen in their life. I don't think they've seen any ghosts, so I don't know why they said that. It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. Now, something interesting about Jesus. Remember that he went up on the mountain to pray. The disciples get into the boat, and they start rowing out across the sea, and the wind is contrary against them, and they spend from the late afternoon till the wee hours of the morning struggling at the oars, and they're probably somewhere about halfway. So all those hours were spent struggling at the oars. Jesus spends time in the presence of the Father praying, fellowshipping, and then in the wee hours of the morning, he just walks out to where they are. He got out there quite quickly. It didn't take him nine hours to get out there. He just went out there quite quickly. You know what this tells me? If we'll spend time in the presence of God, we'll walk right over a lot of the obstacles that would normally slow us down in life. And he just walked right over there and walked right up to him. I think that's amazing. But immediately, Jesus spoke to them saying, be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, I don't think this was a good thing for him to say. But he said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. What if it was a devil? 
They lie, you know. Lord, if that's you, come on, come on out. You know, and he'd think, no. But he knew that these words were the words of the Lord. There was an, an anointing upon these words. There was something different upon the, with these words. He knew the voice of the master. And he knew that there was power in those words. And so when Peter heard those words, he stepped out. Lord, if it, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. You know what Peter was saying? Lord, make a decree for me to come out on the water to join you. Lord, speak the word for me to come out on the water and join you. You know, I'm not sure. I'm sure that Peter, you know, Peter was a seasoned commercial fisherman. And I'm sure that Peter never ever in his life was sitting in a boat and had the notion to get out and walk on the water. I'm sure that never crossed his mind. And then all of a sudden, he sees Jesus doing it, and he says, Lord, command me to come. And he did. What happened when Peter stepped out of the boat? He mixed his faith with the word of God, and something miraculous took place. Verse uh, 29, so, he, so Jesus said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But, there's that word but. When he saw that the wind was boisterous, that would, word boisterous, boisterous means strong and powerful. When he saw, everybody say that with me. When he saw. You know, he's doing something miraculous. He's on the water. He's walking. He's succeeding. It's happening. He's doing what Jesus is doing. And then all of a sudden, he took note of something in the natural. When he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. Fear entered in. And beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. Let me ask you a question. What does boisterous wind have to do with walking on the water? Does it mean that we all can walk on the water as long as there's no wind? If you think that's possible, then I want to admonish you when you get home, go straight into your bath bathroom there, fill the bathtub up. Just fill that thing up to the brim. And then get prepared to walk on the water. But... But, turn the air conditioner off first and make sure there's no fan in the bathroom blowing because we all know that if you have any wind at all, you won't be able to walk on the water. Is that true? That's not true. So why would Peter allow something to distract him when he's already succeeding. He's already doing what Jesus said to do, and he's succeeding. Oftentimes when we start out in faith doing great things, and then you know what? Adversity hits. We've all been there. What is that? That's just Satan trying to get us to get our eyes off of the word of God. How does he do that? He does that through natural means. And so he brings a natural circumstance against us. I like to call circumstances serpentstances because it reminds me where they come from. And so he likes to bend, he likes to take hold of some natural circumstances and then cause you to get your eyes onto the natural and then get into fear and forget about the word of God. He wants the natural circumstance to supersede the word of God within your mind. That's exactly what happened to the children of Israel when they got to the promised land. When the wind is blowing, when the circumstances are, are, have arisen, it's simply how we react to it that makes the difference. Verse 31, and immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? 
And when they got into the boat, listen to this, the wind ceased. You know what the key to life is? Make sure you've got Jesus in your boat at all times. Peter got his eyes off of the word and onto natural things. You know, in, the, in John's account of this miracle, there's something else that took place that a lot of people miss. In John's account, it said when Jesus got into the boat, the wind ceased, and immediately they were at the other side. Immediately. There was a miracle that took place, and immediately that boat, boom, was at the other side. Just like Jesus, when he came from the mountain, and he walked quickly out to where they had taken about nine hours and struggling and, and all this natural resources being used up and they hadn't gotten very far. Jesus walked right out to them effortlessly. And when he got in a boat, boom, they were on the other side. There again, spending time in the presence of God will build you up. As it says in Acts 20, 32, it'll build you up and it will give you an inheritance. It'll release your inheritance. You know, we've got to learn how to use our butts correctly. I'm just letting that sit for a minute. I probably should have said it a different way, but it's not bad. And here's, here's what I say in my life. Because I spend time with the Lord, and I'm cultivating continually my faith. I'm, I'm learning to know more about him. I'm learning to know more about his presence. And in so doing, I want to develop on the inside of me a larger, I want to be greater on the inside than the things on the outside. I want to be bigger on the inside than the things are on the outside. So that when adversity comes my way, here's what I say. Yep, the wind's blowing, but my faith walk continues. The wind's blowing, but my faith walk will continue. Devil, I'm not getting off of my faith walk. I'm not getting off of the word. You know, you may, be, you may hear a bad report from the doctor. Wind's blowing. And then what are you going to do with that? You need to leave that doctor and say, yeah, wind's blowing, but the word of God says, by his stripes, I am healed. You may be, have gotten just laid off of your job. All of a sudden, wind's blowing, but you need to say, but my faith walk continues because God is a blesser and God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We need to learn how to nurture our expectancy and our faith. Natural reasoning will often hold us back from the miraculous. You know, by stepping out in response to Jesus' words, something unexpected or out of the realm of the ordinary took place. Let's take a look at that word unexpected. In the dictionary, it means that which was not anticipated or foreseen. It's something not expected or regarded as likely to happen. It's time for us to begin to expect the depths or of the benefits of our relationship with God Almighty. Did you hear that word Almighty? Your God is the creator. Your God is God Almighty. Your God is the God of the impossible. He created the natural realm with all of his laws. He can easily set those laws aside. We need to learn to not limit God and expect greater. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 in the NIV says this. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than than your ways, and my thoughts, than your thoughts. You know, I've heard people over the years, they'll read that section right there, and they'll say, well, see, God's ways are so much higher, which are true. And he says, you know, you just, you, we can never know what God's going to do. We can never know the depths of God. That's not what God was saying in this chapter in Isaiah. If you understand, Isaiah was a prophet uh, to Israel, and he's as he's prophesying to this at this time, they are not walking with the Lord. They are in idolatry. They have backslidden. These are people who are not really doing, they have a form of religiosity, but they're doing something completely, they're serving other gods. There's all kinds of crazy stuff going on. They're sacrificing children. 
uh, to demon gods and all kinds of crazy stuff. And so what God is saying is here is that your thoughts, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Your ways are not my ways. You know what God is saying to them? And he's saying that to us. Come up to where I am and allow my thoughts to be your thoughts. Allow my ways to become your ways. Let's take a look at that word ways. Ways indicates how something is done, how a result is obtained, how an end is achieved. He says, how you go about things and I go about things are not the same. My ways are higher than your ways. Higher. This word means more advanced, exceeding the common degree or natural measure. Let's take a look at Isaiah 55, the same scripture in the message translation. Listen to this. I don't think the way you think. The way you work isn't the way I work. So the way I work surpasses the way you work. Let's look at this same scripture in the New Living Translation. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. He's saying, I don't have any limitations. Take hold of my way of thinking and let it transform your ways. Did you know that your thoughts determine your ways? Don't allow the situations of life to box you in with small, natural thinking and dictate your outcome in life. You need to realize you are a born-again man or woman of God, and you've got the Holy Spirit, God on the inside of you, and you've been given his word. With that, you can do the impossible. Jeremiah 32, 27 says, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? This is our God. This is the God that we are one with. This is the God who's on the inside of you right now. This God, the God that nothing is too difficult for him. I love the word uh, Lord there because in the Hebrew, it's the word Jehovah. And years ago, I did a study on the word, on all the names of God, and that word, the name of God, Jehovah, is an amazing name. It's the name that means that I am, it's the name Chava, Chaya, where he said to Moses in the burning bush, I am that I am, and uh, this is the etymology of the word, the formation of the word. But the word Jehovah also uh, carries with it the self-revelation. I love that. So the word Jehovah means this, the Lord who reveals himself. Oh, isn't that good? That's why when you hear uh, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides, we'll say, yeah, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. No, 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 you have to understand that word that is saying, Jehovah Jireh is saying, I am the Lord who reveals himself to you as your provider. Oh, now that changes it. That's a game changer. You know, Jehovah Rapha, I am the Lord who reveals myself to you as your healer. Jehovah Shalom, I am the Lord who reveals himself to you as your peace. Hallelujah. Jehovah Nisi, I am the Lord who reveals himself to you as your victory. I am your victory, and I'm going to reveal myself to you as your victory. Now, boy, that's good. That tells me he's right there with me in the midst of it. This very thing that we've been talking about this morning thus far is Jesus was trying to get this across to his disciples as well. He was trying to get them out of their natural religious, religious school of thought of the time. He's, remember, he's getting ready to go to the cross, and he's ready to bring in the new covenant. A change is about to take place, and Jesus is already warming them up to this change. So, in order to pay their taxes, Jesus says to Peter in Matthew 17, 27, he said, nevertheless, lest we offend them, go to the sea, cast in a hook, and take the, and take the fish that comes up first. And when you have opened its mouth, you will find a piece of money. Take that 
and give it to them for me and you. Now, let me ask you, you know, we just passed April, you know, tax time. How many of you went fishing? <laughs> I got taxes to pay. Okay, hon, go on down to the pier and you know, psh, cast it in there. I'll tell you, every time I go fishing, you know what I do? I look in their mouth. <laughs> I look. You know, I found lures and all kinds of stuff in there, so I didn't really find money, but I mean, you know, you get a good lure worth about five or six bucks. Hey, let's check this one out. This one brought me a gift, you know. And so I haven't found any money yet. I'm still believing for that. And so what was Jesus saying to Peter? You know, Peter, let me tell you something about Jesus. He had a treasurer. Not only did he have a treasurer, he had a thief as a treasurer. And, and guess what? Jesus knew it. So they had enough money that even if the thief took money out of the treasury, they still had an abundance left over to do what they needed to do. But Jesus didn't say, go to the treasury. He said, go out and catch a fish and look in the mouth. Jesus is trying to get Peter to raise his expectancy level. God is saying to us today, raise your expectancy. Th begin to think outside the box. Your God is bigger. Your God can meet any need that is coming your way. We need to learn to expect the unexpected. In 1 Corinthians 12, 6, in the King James Version, it says, and there are diversities of operation, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. We need to learn and know and understand that God is not just limited to doing things one way. You know, this was true in Jesus' ministry. Let me give you some examples. At times, Jesus went out and laid hands on people and they were healed. Is that right? At times, he just spoke the word and they were healed. Other times, people touched him and they were healed. One time, he spat on the ground and put spit mud on a blind man's eyes. And guess what? The man was healed. Another time, he left out the mud and he just flat out spit in the blind man's eye. And the man was healed. Now, does that mean that we should start a spitting ministry? We got some dirt out in the courtyard. Any of you having trouble seeing, meet me in the middle of the courtyard after the service, and I'll be glad to put spit mud in your eye. No. <laughs> How many people do you think would show up? I don't think too many would show up after announcing that. But all of those things brought about miraculous uh, ends, results. Jesus, now here's the key. Jesus said, I only do what my father says to do. What was he doing? He was being led by the Holy Spirit, and so must we. In 1 Corinthians 12, 6, the same verse, in the message translation, it says this, God's various expressions of power are in action everywhere, but God himself is behind it all. Someone might say, yes, but... I don't know how God could ever do any of this for me. What did you just do by saying that? You've just limited God. And you're saying that God can't do that. You've just said that he is limited. There's a story about uh, Naaman. We all know the story. He had leprosy. Naaman was a commander of the Syrian army. He was an honorable man of valor. And there was a Jewish girl who had been taken captive uh, by them, and this Jewish girl was the attendant or the servant girl to Naaman's wife. And so this servant girl informs, informs Naaman that there is a prophet by the name of Elisha. And Elisha walks in the miraculous. And Elisha can bring healing to Naaman. And we, let's pick it up in 2 Kings 5, 9, 9 through 14. Then Naaman went with his horses and chariot, and he stood at the door of Elisha's house. 
And Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored to you and you shall be cleaned. But Naaman became furious and went away and said, indeed, I said to myself, and I thought, in other words, he's saying, I thought it would be this way. I said to myself, surely the man will come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. He had a grand expectation of some kind of a show that he needed to see. This was his way of thinking how his healing would happen. And instead, Elisha just sent by a word by his servant. Elisha didn't even come out to him. And that infuriated the man. Yes, God's ways are bigger than our Shirley's or our preconceived ideas of what should happen. And then Naaman said this, Are not the Abana and the, far, and the Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Pride. Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned away in a huff and went away in a rage. And his servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father... If the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then when he says to you, wash and be clean? So, I'll tell you what, it's good to be surrounded by good people that have at least have some good common sense. Amen? It's good to have good friends that have good common sense that can speak to us and get us back on track if we get off. So he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan according to the saying of the man of God and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child and he was clean. You know what? Naaman could have missed his miracle. His miracle was there all the time. But because of his preconceived ideas and the way he thought things should happen, he turned and went away in a huff and he would have remained with that leprosy for the rest of his life. But if it wasn't for some good friends that talked some common sense to him, that got him to go back and do what the man of God said, he would not have been healed. I love, uh, like I said, he could have missed his miracle because of his natural thinking, pride, and arrogance. Uh, there's a scripture that I'm thinking of in Proverbs 22.4. It says, by humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. Ephesians 3.20, talking about the greatness of our God, says, Now to him who was able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. I'll tell you, I can think some pretty big things. How about you? He's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. Do you have the power of God working in you? Is your faith working? Is your expectancy working? Boy, I'll tell you, when you look at that scripture, now to him who was able to do, look at these four words. I mean, you could say, now to him who was able to do above that what we ask or think. That would have been good. But look at the words here. Exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. God's trying to get something across to us. He used a lot of words to get the notion to us that he is a God that does supernatural things way beyond our thinking. The amplified version of this scripture says this, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams. I love the weast translation of this. That's something you probably, I never heard of that. Kenneth Wiest was a, uh, a Greek scholar. Uh, he's passed on, but he was a major Greek scholar uh, in, in the 50s and in the early 60s and 40s, and he was just a tremendous Greek scholar. I love a lot of what he has to say. And listen to the Wiest translation. Now to the one who was able to do beyond all things, super abundantly, Beyond and over and above those things that we are asking for ourselves and considering. In the measure 
of the power which is operative within us. Your faith is important. Your faith connects with the Word of God. Your expectancy connects with the Word of God. Unbelief and doubt is a detriment. It's something we need to shun. I'll tell you, I do not embrace fear at all. I have in my life, fear is an enemy of mine. And any time I sense fear, I stand against it and say, no, no, no. I just have a simple saying, no fear here. No, you don't. No, you don't. I'm a man of faith. Get out. I am constantly grooming my faith. I'm constantly spending time with the Lord. I memorize scripture all the time. Why? Why do I do that? So I can repeat it back to myself. I'll lay my head on my pillow and I'll just start quoting scriptures back slowly and I'm hanging on every word because it's the truth. It's the word of God that brings about power and change and difference in our lives. And I want all of it. I want to learn. I'm a constant student. I'm constantly learning. And we all should be constant students. We need to expand our expectancy and realize his giant, great supply. In uh, Job 5, 8, and 9, you know, Job had some friends that came to him. If you read the, read the book of Job and his, his three friends, uh, they weren't so great. Um, you don't need friends like that. We call those enemies. And, uh, but there were times, there was a couple times when Job's friends had some good things to say. And one of those is in Job uh, 5, 8, and 9. And he said, Eliphaz said this, he says, but as for me, I would seek God, and to God I would commit my cause, who does great things and unsearchable, marvelous things without number. That's our God. I love that. In the, in the New Living Translation, that same scripture says, he does great things too marvelous to understand. He performs countless miracles. In the Message Translation, it says, after all, He's famous for great and unexpected acts. There's no end to his surprises. Praise God. Did you know there's no end to God's surprises? Do you like surprises? I wake up in the morning, I say, God, knock my socks off today. Come on, have a good time with me. Here I am. I'm expecting surprises from God all the time. We need to know that the favor of God is upon us right now. When you are convinced that you have the favor of God upon your life, it will create an attitude of anticipating his surprises. Do you believe that you have the favor of God on your life? I can't believe for you. It's an individual thing. I can pray for you, but you will have to come to terms with the word of God yourself and be convinced, is the word of God true or is it not true? And if, and if you deem it to be true, then you need to start, you need to get into the word on a daily basis and start highlighting these scriptures in your own life and hanging on them and connecting your faith, mixing your faith with these promises. It will create an attitude of anticipating surprises. Look at Psalms 512. For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous. Did you notice that word, will bless? It didn't say he might. It said he will. Are you the righteous? If you're born again, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, 2 Corinthians 5.21. For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous with favor. You will surround him as with a shield. I love that. You are encompassed about with the favor of God wherever you go. Psalms 50.23 says, Whoever offers praise glorifies me, and to him who orders his conduct aright, I will show the salvation of God. Now, we just think salvation being saved, going to heaven, but this word here in the Hebrew, salvation of God, actually means this. It means the works, the works, muscle, deliverance, and prosperity of God. I don't know about you, that gets me excited. The salvation of God. 
I looked it up in the Hebrew. The works, muscle, deliverance, and prosperity of God. Let me read that again with that understanding. Whoever offers praise glorifies me. Why would you not offer praise to God when he wants to bring all this into your life? Whoever offers praise glorifies me, and to him who orders his conduct aright, I will show the salvation of God. Well, what is this conduct that he's talking about? If you order your conduct aright, that's faith, expectancy, and trust. In Romans 1.17, it tells us that the just shall live by faith. It's God's prescribed method for his people to live by. We are to live by faith. In other words, we are to have faith in God and faith in his word. Because you cannot separate the word of God from God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became, and verse 14 says, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is the living Word of God. You cannot separate the two. So what what kind of conduct should we be having as God's people? One where we get into the Word, and we get excited about these promises, and we latch on to it with faith, and we mix our faith with that. And when the wind starts blowing, we say, yeah, the wind's blowing, but my faith walk continues. Psalms 50, 23 in the Amplified says, he who, he who brings an offering of praise and thanksgiving honors and glorifies me, and he who orders his way aright, who prepares the way that I may show him, To him, I will demonstrate the salvation of God. Deuteronomy 28, 1 and 2. If you haven't discovered Deuteronomy chapter 28 yet, it's the chapter of the blessings and the cursings. And the first 14 verses are talking about the blessings of God from verse 15 to, I think it's 68, talks about the cursings. You should read the cursings too, not just the blessings. And when you read the cursings, you should rejoice. Why? Because Galatians 3.13 tells us that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. So when you read the curses, you should say, Woo-hoo, I'm redeemed from that. Ladies, did you know that in the curse of the law, it says you be free from mildew? <laughs> it's in there. And so you should say, praise God, I'm redeemed from mildew. So, you know, you should be expecting that bathroom to look, that, that shower to look better all the time. Amen? Praise God, you're redeemed from that. However, we need to get into the first 14 verses and we need to get excited about them. Listen to this. I'm going to read you the first two. Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. That's good. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. I got to read that again. I'm getting excited up here. I, I, I put this message together and it's like, wow, it just got to hold me. Verse 2. Just pardon me for a minute if I just have a little Holy Spirit experience up here. You just join me, just pray in the Spirit. I'll, be, I'll get through it in a minute. Listen to this. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. That word blessings is the word barakah. It's an important word. The word for blessing is barak. And then you have another word called barakah. And barakah is a word that also means pool or pond. It's a word that you'll see in Psalms 84. It says, blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, the place of weeping and dryness, as they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. Listen to this. The rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each one appears before God in Zion. Did you hear that? They pass through the valley of Baca, the place of dryness, dullness. It's a hot, barren place. But they are on a pilgrimage. They're saying, Baca is not my place of residence. 
I don't belong here in this dull, dull, dry place. I'm just passing through. And as I pass through, I'm a worshiper and I'm praising God because I know who my God is. And my God's a blessing God. And the blessings of God are overtaking me. Even though I'm in this dry place and it looks like nothing's happening, I'm going somewhere. I'm heading somewhere. I'm working on something. I'm not staying in this. I'm not letting what I see take over my thoughts. I'm heading somewhere. I'm going to where the word of God says I'm supposed to go. And when it says that the rain covers it with pools, that's the word barakah for blessings. And so what is he saying here in Deuteronomy? He says, and all these blessings shall pool up around you and overtake you. In other words, they're going to pool up around you so much that it's going to become a flood, and that flood is going to become a tsunami that's going to overtake you. And you're going to be soaking wet from all the blessings of God. Now, do you believe that? You know, you shouldn't believe it because Pastor Dan said it. You should believe it. Why? Because it's in the Word of God. And I'll tell you, you ought to take this next week and you ought to ponder over verse 2 in Deuteronomy chapter 28. And you ought to look at that and say, Lord, is this what, is this what you want? You want the, your blessings to pool up all around me? And you want those blessings to become a flood that overtakes me? Come on, bring on the waves. You might want to go out and get your boogie board ready to go. And say, I'm going to ride this thing. Praise God. Pool up around you until you are flooded over. I love that. That word overtake literally means to come upon suddenly or unexpectedly, to surprise, to reach out and to take hold. His desire is to bless and surprise his children with his goodness so others will see that goodness upon you and then they will want what you have. Psalm 78, 40 and 42, 44 through 42 says, how often, talking about the children of Israel when they, when they were in the wilderness, how often they provoked him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. Yes, again and again they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. They did not remember his power the day when he redeemed them from the enemy. That word limited literally means this. If you look it up in the Hebrew, it literally means this. Restraining someone from what they can do because of one's own attitudes or actions. I don't want to restrain him. Did you see here it says how often they provoked him in the wilderness and grieved him. You know why he was grieved? He wanted to pour out blessings upon his children, and they wouldn't let him because of their unbelief, and it grieved God because he wasn't able to gush forth onto them. He wasn't able to let that barakah pull up and overtake them and flood around them. He was willing, but they were not expecting. Their natural thinking was greater than his supernatural supply. We need to remember who your God is and remember who you are to him. Get in the word on a daily basis and begin to renew your mind to his truth. Don't allow circumstances or circumstances or the boisterous wind to sway your thinking away from the revealed truth of God. He is saying, come on, step out of the boat. Step out of the natural way of how you are used to doing things and step into a fresh new dimension of my blessing. Your attitude determines your outcome as it is an expression of your level of faith and your level of knowing of who he is. A right attitude of faith comes from being in God's word and meditating Upon his promises, you know, Romans 10, 17 says, now faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I've heard people say, you know, faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing. That's not exactly what that scripture is saying. It says, now faith comes by hearing. And hearing means to listen and understand. It's the word akuo 
in the Greek language, and it actually has understanding connected. It's not hearing. It's hearing. You remember that, that old uh, commercial, E.F. Hutton says? And there'd be a big restaurant, and everybody's talking, and somebody would say, well, my broker, E.F. Hutton says, and everybody goes, gets quiet, and they all, I want to get a stock tip, you know, from E.F. Hutton. So everybody got quiet, and everybody listened. And so that's how this word akuo, that's what it means. It means to stop to listen with the intent of pressing in to understand. Faith comes by hearing. And that hearing, that process that I'm describing, comes through the word of God. That changes it a little bit, doesn't it? Quit trying to figure out how God is going to do it. Just believe that he is able and that he is also willing and begin to anticipate the unexpected. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we give you praise today and we thank you, Lord, for your hand upon us today. We thank you for the words that we've heard. Lord, for pouring out your heart to us, for revealing in your word to us the depths of the things that you want to do with your church body. It gives you no pleasure, Lord, when we go through hardships. It gives you no pleasure at all because you've given us the answer and you're right there with the power of the Spirit to make the difference. Lord, forgive us for being complacent. Forgive us. There's some of us here today, Lord, that we've set your word aside. We're no longer in the word. We used to be in the word but we've lost our first love for the Word. Lord, we ask you to bring that back to us today. Lord, as we read the Word, we don't want to read it alone. We want to read it with you, Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, for highlighting these scriptures to us. Lord, we ask you to reveal your Word to us, your heart to us. Bring us into that place of expectation once again. And Lord, today we say that we renew our faith. We renew our walk with you in that way. And we give you the praise. And we thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Praise God. God is a blessing God. I'll tell you. Amen. Praise God. Look up, look up that scripture in Deuteronomy uh, 28, 2. Just let that, med just meditate upon that, that God wants to pull up those blessings all around you. Amen. Come on out tonight at 6.30.